Yeah. It's dark, that's when things go bump in the night Amygdala shouting, we gon' fight or flight Oh, but what a sight, what the mind says You never seen anything in life like this But those yellow eyes, they got me bugging Trying to convince yourself that you see nothing Creepy is the word that just describes the start of it Because there's monsters and other very scary Turns out there's monsters of all types and variety Ones with fangs and claws, others that you call family, right? But yo, what's your poison? What kind of monsters are you enjoying? Do you like demons, undead, or cyborgs? Lovecraftian beings or underlords? Or what about the monster in each one of us? That vile thing that we choose not to discuss. If you love monsters, no matter the genre, let me tell you about this Kickstarter offer. It's an anthology with 30 creative teams with stories of monsters, sure, to haunt your dreams. We talking about 224 pages, and I can guarantee these stories are truly outrageous. And if you don't believe the things that I just said, just ask that monster living under your bed. Hello ghouls and ghosts and welcome back to the crypt. As always, I'm your host, Perspective, and today we have something a little bit different than our usual movie reviews. It is something I've been wanting to do, but first of all, a big thank you to all our listeners. We are completely up on our new podcast host, and you can actually find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast device, and we're currently working on getting uh, the podcast on Stitcher and Google Play. With me as always is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. And uh, unfortunately, Shell will not be able to be with us today due to prior engagements, but uh, we do have a, a special guest today, and um, I'll let him go ahead and let him introduce himself and what he does. Oh, what's up, guys? Yeah, my name is Russell Nolte. I am the uh, publisher of Wannabe Press, a small press comic and book publisher that makes weird books for weird people, the host <laughs> of the Business of Art podcast that helps creatives build better businesses, and I am currently running a Kickstarter campaign for our new anthology, Monsters and Other Scary Shit, a monster 224-page hardcover anthology about monsters, which launched on Valentine's Day and is already about to uh, eclipse $15,000 in funding. That's That sounds awesome. So let's, yeah. so let's talk about, about you for a little bit here. What, um, how did you get around with uh, starting Wannabe Press? Uh, so sure. So I um, I had a bunch of other books that had been at other publishers, and frankly, I just didn't really like how they handled the book. I didn't like how they released the book. I mean, I still like the publishers themselves, but I didn't think they did much uh, for marketing or publicity. So I just decided to buy back all the rights or acquire the rights any way that I could, and just start sort of. Uh, start out on my own and see if I could uh, get a book funded through Kickstarter, which we did with my book, Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter. If we could, um, you know, if we could grow a brand ourselves by doing sort of small, uh, small batch, sort of like three to five books a year and just try and grow this over time, year over year and see if we could build an audience for ourselves instead of relying on a publisher. So often creators are reliant on publishers or movie studios or somebody else to validate them. But uh, usually if we just take the bull by the horns and try and find our own audience and commit to, um, you know, building a business the right way, we'll be able to find our audience much better than, than a publisher ever could. Uh, yeah. Do you have a question, Nick? No, no, no. I think it's very true. Uh, I mean, that works for any type of art mostly like if you go into the music industry that really is what thrives like the indie music industry exactly the same way 
Well, um, I think that uh, movies, uh, sorry, music is one of the uh, benchmarks that I uh, that I look for because there are a lot of indie musicians who are able to uh, build a career much more so, I would say, than uh, independent movie creators or independent comic book creators or independent authors. Oh, yeah. And it's because they have this sort of mentality where, you know, I'm going to go and find my audience everywhere they are. I'm going to go and play shows, and I don't care if it's in a dingy, seedy motel. Next time I come back to this town, it'll be bigger. And I don't care if I have one fan now. That one fan can become five fans, can become 50 fans, can become 100 fans. But they have this mentality that they're going to be out on the road, and most people in other creative endeavors don't do that. They don't go to shows. They won't travel very far. Uh, they sort of look down on shows that have like one person at them or five people in them. And for me, I just am psyched to be at a show where somebody is willing to talk to me about my stuff, willing to, um, you know, willing to invest the time, energy, and effort to come out and find me to make me a part of what their uh, of their con experience. And so I was really uh, I, I actually use music a lot when I talk to other people about this because like I consider uh, having a book like being a touring musician. You've got to go town yeah. to town to town, okay. show to show to show and build your audience one at a time so that over time you will um, over time, every time you stop back in that city, it'll be a little bit bigger. You'll have a little bit bigger audience. And you'll be able to cultivate a larger following, and it'll be a little bit easier for you to grow that audience next time. And is uh, horror the genre you normally write in, or, or what do you I mean, normally so do? Most people consider us a horror publisher. Honestly, we've published one horror book that was strict horror. Mm -hmm. Usually we publish things with monsters in them, though, especially with okay. comics. So fantasy, sci-fi, horror um, but mostly we deal with monsters, which is why we did the monsters and other scary shit anthology, mostly because people considered us a horror publisher and pretty much only a horror publisher. And I wanted to show people as much as I love horror monsters are used in every genre in every, uh, in, in, in everything from adventure time to Hellraiser and everything in between. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have sort of a glorious ode to monsters yes there are scary stories but there are also funny stories fantasy oh, stories, stories and everything yeah, yeah go ahead i i really noticed that in the book um there's some really like funny stories that are some sort of you know almost like a drama story the one with the is it called the party yeah, that's Katrina's story. She's great because she has like uh, – even her book Warhead is basically monsters doing ordinary everyday things. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's almost like a scene from like a – like a, a yeah, a drama movie. And the only thing is like, you know, with the – it has a very um, – how do I say it? A very – it's not a weird art style, but it's it's – you know yeah it's very different you know because the one character has the uh, eye floating in the middle of her head and with you know the hair floating all around her which she uses as a whip later on <laughs> and it's um yeah and it's that and then like the first story um i i can't remember who wrote the first one um where uh, it's it's sort of like you know, a, a normal, well, normal, it's a funnier comic and it's, you know, sort of misinterpreted story about, you know, 
someone who um, thinks a dragon kidnaps someone or a monster kidnaps someone. Yeah, yeah, so that's the first story, and I really wanted to make it so that um, people could ease into the story because basically what you're what you're talking about is the first story is about a monster uh, playing go fish with his princess <laughs> friend, and then a and then a uh, knight comes and tries to save the princess that doesn't need saving because she's just hanging out with her friend. And I wanted that. That's more like traditional art style. It's it's uh, it's what you could expect from at least an indie, if not a Marvel or DC comic book. And then I wanted to sort of ease you into the stories and show you kind of this is weird. Um, so like ground yourself here and then we go boom immediately into that the party story, Katrina's story. And it gets like very weird. And I, I, I wanted to feel like a really good mix. Um, you know, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, I like the the way that, like you said in the in, the, the, in that party story, the uh, the second story, um, it like Nick said, it's it's like it's like we're just living a day in, in the lives of these of these monsters, and it, monsters are just a normal thing, uh, uh, doing the the mundane things that we do. Um, they get into their you know their 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 petty fights or they get into arguments, and then in the end, in the end they just you know they just like being around each other. So uh, it's something different that what you normally see, like you said, from uh, other other monster uh, comics. Uh, but definitely the funny ones in this in this book are, uh, I think, among among the best. Well, thank yeah. you, because we wanted to make sure to have tonally some different stuff and not have horror, horror, horror or long story, long story, long story. We wanted to make sure to, to sort of bring you into a deep dark place and then like let you get back and like breathe with like a comedy story. And I think the comedy stories are some of the ones that really anchor this um, to like people really enjoying it. Like it brings it to another level when you can be like, Oh my God, the ghoul is so scary. And like, like, Oh yeah. Terrifying. Ghoul, the one. Oh my God. Yeah, that, and, like beautiful. Um, but then, but, but then you can go into like a comedy right after it. Yeah, well, you, exactly. Even Ghoul, Ghoul, I have to say, is probably my favorite in the book. Um, phenomenal art, by the way. Um, like, it's just, it's yeah, the art in that is, is just amazing. It's so far my favorite. And um, it is, that is a frightening story <laughs> compared to, like, everything mostly in the book. Well, even, um, even, um, Cool. Even though it's like a darker story, it is the way it ends. I think is it kind of turns it to a little bit more of of a love story, yeah. um, but it's still dark because it's. I mean, there's death everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I really love about this book and why I think it's so special and magical is because all of the stories really do kind of like flow together. And that was completely all of the uh, on the artists. I was very hands off when it came to editing this book. I wanted each story to feel like each artist and that uh, and Stan Yak um, is a very well-known indie artist. He works uh, for Alterna and a bunch of others, but he does just amazing, amazing work. And generally in um, generally in like a horror or monster space, but um, that way he was able to turn the ending and make it sort of less straight horror and more like a different kind of horror than you would see normally was just like phenomenal. And that was all Stan. What happened was 
I wanted this to feel, as I mentioned before, like a really good mixtape. And with a really good mixtape, the person who arranges the mixtape doesn't really have much say over um, over uh, over the song itself. What they have control over is what songs they pick, what artists they pick to work with and how it's all composed together. So each of these stories really feels like each author and that uh, and an artist team and Stan and his brother that did that ghoul story. That story feels just like um, how they how much they love monsters in the kind of way that they love monsters, which was really, again, important for this story, because I wanted to bring in people that loved monsters. So all of these artists and authors and teams, I went out to people who I knew specifically had an affinity to monsters. They either had monster books. They'd drawn monster books. We talked about monsters um, or uh, or in some way I knew that they loved monsters. So this is not just like a bunch of artists jamming out about monsters. It is that. But it is also I believe each story is kind of imbued with like their love and care and attention that someone would only take telling a story that you know that they love. Yeah, it very much feels like a passion project, like someone actually cared for everything that's put in there. Um, so I think that's very nice. And um, how did how did you um, come around to getting these these stories? Uh, did you did you approach these um, these artists or these creators, or did they approach you, or how did that happen? Uh, so about uh, right after Katrina funded, which was at the end of 2015, I started talking a lot with uh, the people in our audience, finding out what they liked, what artists they liked, what kind of stories and themes. And one thing really came to a head, which was pretty much everybody in our audience loves monsters uh, in some capacity. And they love uh, like the indie stuff that uh, a lot of my friends do. So. I decided to do a book about monsters and all the and all the glory of monsters and like I said everything from cute to scary, everything in between. And um, I went. I basically put out a call uh, on my Facebook feed and said, "Hey, who wants to jam out about monsters?" And I got a bunch of submissions, um, and we got actually 350 pages submitted um, of of commitment. Wow! And then from that, we got 200. 20 pages um, of, of art completed. So it was really uh, it was really um, uh, from my own network of going out to people, c- contacting some of them personally. But mostly it was just um, people that I already knew. And like I said, I have a very tight network of like people that love monsters and comic creators who all were like jazzed about this book. Oh, way more jazzed, honestly, than I thought I would get. <laughs> I thought I would get maybe like 100, maybe 150 committed pages and end up with maybe a 100-page book. Um, I did not think it was going to be 224 pages. I did not think we would be able to get some of the creators that we got. I certainly did not think um, that we would end up with uh, with 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 uh, more than 200 pages of, of finished art. And really, every single one of them is a banger. I don't think that there's one bad story. There may be a story that you don't like as much as others, but every single story of in that book, um, when I talk to people, has been somebody's favorite. There's this one story that I that um, it's towards the beginning, and I don't I, I gotta look for it here, but it's um, it was one that I was actually hoping it would be longer. It was like only two panels or two pages, I think, believe. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. It's um, 
There are a couple of really short ones, but they're really good. Yeah, the one it's like, it's like downloading. I, I forgot what it's called. Oh yeah, download possession. That one. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like, oh man, this is gonna get good, and it ended. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I want to, I want to see more of this story now. Yeah, that was so. Uh, that was so great. Uh, uh, so John Carl, uh, Juan Carlos Ramos does uh, a lot of stuff for like Transformers and um, and, and other brands, and he. Um, I actually had to extend his deadline out a little bit so he could get me those two pages. It was originally going to be four pages, but he's like, dude, I'm so busy. I, I can get you two, and I can make them really phenomenal. And I said, I will take two phenomenal pages from you <laughs> because I like I love his work so much. He does this uh, kid's book also called Stories in the book, even though it's only two pages because my mind just goes into the all the backstory of like how this girl got uh, got uh, got kidnapped or if she chose this life or like my mind just goes racing and it's or like what happens after, you know, after like the last um, panel where you just go like, oh, no, <laughs> what's happening? Uh, what was the name of, the, of that book um, that you were talking about? It kind of when uh, the Sorry. audio went away there. Sure, it's called So Luna, S-O-L-U-N-A. It's a beautiful kids book that he did for his daughter, um, um, and and it was on Kickstarter a little while ago. But it's just great, and he does that, and he also does a lot of covers for Transformers and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, we were really, I was really happy that you know people took time out of their busy busy schedules um, to uh, do even a page or two pages. You know, we have a lot of smaller stories. We have a lot of bigger stories. And really just it was really give as many pages as you can do really, uh, really well. And some people did like a whole 15 page story or a 12 page story. And some people could only do a page. But overall, you know, every story is just like I love every one of them. There's one from Walter Osley called Frozen Scream, which terrifies me every time I see it. And it's only four panels. It has no words in it. But I, I want to know what that girl sees on the other side of the mirror. That seems like something that I would see on uh, Night Gallery, uh, just you know, in the background where Rod Serling would come out and talk about the painting. And the painting itself would sometimes be scarier than the story. But we, it was just thinking about what happened in that particular um, instance of that story. Right. We actually were going to do uh, – he, he originally was going to do two pages, and he said he drew – maybe five or six different instances. Um, and he's like, it's just, it, it doesn't ever live up to what your my imagination. So like, I think we should just do one page. And uh, I said, yeah, like whatever your vision is, but we were going to show what the, what she sees in the mirror. But instead we just said, it's better with your imagination because mm -hmm. I promise you it's more terrifying than what we would draw. And it kind of like, I don't know, sometimes a longer story um, especially when you reveal sort of uh, sort of exactly what happens at the end, kind of loses that flavor. I think somebody like the the boogeyman story, the car, the uh, Christian uh, Douglas and uh, even Sarnago story, um, it does the opposite, where like the reveal at the end um, really like pumps up the story, and you go, oh my god, I, like that is like a, a crazy awesome reveal. But uh, on the other side, it was great that Walter kind of. Uh, uh, held back and said, uh, I think that this is going to be scarier uh, without having any of those reveals at the end. Yeah, and you get a, a mix of those, of those where they 
don't tell you exactly what what the what happened at the end and, and that really got, to me uh grabs my, grabs me uh now i wouldn't say more but just as as good as um stories that tell you what happened like you said yeah, I mean that's one of the great things about horror, and uh, again, another great way about uh, uh, that we that we talk about monsters in this book is sometimes a horror story is in, is uh, enhanced, like in the Boogeyman when you re- when you reveal sort of a big twist at the end. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's better, and especially when it comes to horror, to not have it and just be in your brain the whole time and and wonder. I think that's one of the big you know beauties of something like Aliens. Alien or aliens, the, the, the where you really uh, don't see a lot of the alien until like the very end. Yeah, and another like you said, how we've been talking about, you have a mix of comedy in here. One of my favorite ones was B for Beer, <laughs> and um, it, it's your it's not your typical monster that you would think of. It's one of those you might find on PBS, but um, just the way. <laughs> The way it just gets dark and dark, and then it has a punchline that that it kind of like it kind of let, uh, lightens the mood, but it's still for me it's still one of my favorites. So thank you for saying that's a comedy, because a lot of people that read that don't think it's a comedy. I think <laughs> it's hilarious personally. I have a very like dark sense of humor, so I always I put that in there and I was like, oh, yeah, there's a co- there's a light comedy part right after this, like dark, uh, dramatic one. Um, and people a lot of people that read it were like, that was a comedy. I was supposed to be <laughs> comedy. And I was like, I don't know, man, it was comedy for me. Like you could see whatever you want in it. But like, I think that it's a wonderful dark comedy. And it goes right after um, uh, Greg, uh, Greg Smith, uh, uh, Michael Tanner and Misha Dare's. Um, uh, a, a screen to kill for. And that was kind of like a longer, more dramatic, more uh, scarier piece. So we wanted to lighten the mood. And so when people were like, that's not very light, brother, I was like, I don't think you know comedy as much as like, at least not my kind of comedy. It's um, it's very much a um, like a comic kind of comedy of like Fargo would be as a movie, you know? Right, exactly. Fargo's inherently not a funny movie but there's a lot of comedy in there and there are a couple of really good punchlines in there and i think this comic sort of you know it has those really dramatic turns when you know um he has that um prop that he uses right um so it it yeah it, it it's very yeah very dark (laughs) <laughs> what I what I really love about this, like it real, and that really feels like Scott and Nate's work. It feels like exactly the tonally, the kind of story they would tell. As much as um, a screen to kill for feels like Michael and Misha and uh, and and Greg, and as much as uh, uh, Download Possession feels like Juan Carlos Ramos, and as much as uh, Fear feels like Bradley Sheridan, these these stories. Like feel like the creators. I uh, so there are other anthologies which again I love these kind of anthologies too. But those are the anthologies where the editor comes through very heavily in every piece, and like every piece is kind of molded uh, into the right tone. And what I love about this anthology is it really feels like a jam book that 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 magically all um, hits the right notes at the right time. So you could have something like a screen to kill for. And then um, 
which is about a, a, a minotaur in a VR labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, you could have that uh, that uh, more humorous story about a, a out of work Sesame Street monster. And they feel completely different tonally, but somehow they work in the context of the book. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed a screen to kill for with uh, from Greg Smith. And we I've actually talked to him and he says that he'll come on on another episode because he wasn't able to join us today. Uh, so he uh, we're going to we'll have him and I'll talk to him more about this story as well. But it it's um it's a little bit different because the I guess you can say the monster is man in that one. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more psychological. And he actually has two stories. He also did him and Misha also did uh, the, the mirror at the end, which feels more like um, a gothic kind of horror like an 1800s gothic horror story so like those two are both tone those two stories even they're both done by greg and misha are tonally very very different and great ways to sort of allow them to explore different sides of themselves so uh yeah um so, so yeah there's definitely stories here that i would love to to see more of and uh i, I, I get that with some of these type of like when it's an anthology you're never going to get continuation of these stories uh have you heard of anything as far as someone wanting to continue some of these um stories here sure so some of, so this is uh, one of the greatest things about having this anthology is people saying that they want to continue stories so i won't say and spoil um which stories are going to continue but um i will say that anthologies have always been a great uh testing ground for stories so my friend jim zub did a story called Skull Kickers in uh, Pop Gun, and that became an actual, like, really successful uh, image series. But he tested mm -hmm. it in that anthology first. So there are a lot of, you could go back and do a lot of anthologies and sort of see the origin stories of a lot of comic books or novels. Uh, and this, I don't think this is going to be any different. I, again, you never know because collaborations can fall apart or people can get really busy. But I would love to look back in five or six years and see that uh, there were the genesis of certain ideas or certain collaborations were, um, were, were fueled from, um, from this. And on the other side, you know, some people like uh, Angela Fullard, who has the last story in, in, in the piece, uh, uh, Esmeralda's tree, she has been painting um, this oddling and oddland world for years. And this was the first time she told a long form story. So I would love for this to be just one piece in her oddland and making it more expansive because it is one of my favorite universes um, of all of the independent uh, sort of creators that I know. And it, it is 224 pages, but I, I, you go through them pretty quickly. And when I got to that story, uh, I, I, finished it and i was like oh wait there's that's it uh, i wanted more stories uh, than what you were able to put in here uh it's i don't i don't feel the same way with a, a lot of anthologies sometimes by the middle i get tired of the stories because like you said they're molded to a specific tone and i don't like to have the same tone throughout the whole thing i like the way it's broken up here yeah definitely yeah, so, I mean, that was one of the great things, I think. I, I mean, just by having all these professional creators who've worked on all these professional things, um, you were able to get so many different tones. So let's, uh, let's talk about about you as far as uh, your – because it looks like you love monsters. 
Um, how did you come around uh, with uh, the passion for monsters? Well, you know, I've always loved uh, monster movies, um, whether it was uh, Lord of the Rings or whether it was something like Adventure Times. So I just like the conceit of monsters. When I started writing, I, um, you know, I, I, I really loved how monsters can re- can resemble or um, interpret anything, be interpreted as anything, and you can use them as sort of a substitute for um, for people, for places, for things, ideas. But then once we uh, started making books and you know we did Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter which is a psychological um horror we did Katrina Hates Dead Shit which is a um mythological fantasy um we did a book called Gherkinborn the Dollar of Destiny which was like absurdist comedy and each of them had like monsters but very different uh different different kinds of monsters and just talking to our audience got us got me even more jazzed uh to talk and deal with monsters in a much more comprehensive way but honestly I would say that one of the biggest reasons we made this anthology is I kept hearing over and over again that because we had monsters in our books, that it made us a horror publisher. And I love horror, obviously. I mean, I'm on this show. I I, (laughs) I have a huge affinity for horror, but I wanted to show people that monsters are so much more than horror, that they can be used for anything. There are adventure. There are monsters in Adventure Time, in regular show, in Lord of the Rings, in pretty much in in uh, in uh, Marvel, in DC, in Avengers, in um, in almost anything that you can think of. In movies like Donnie Darko, in like really anything that you can think of, there are monsters that represent some idea, some person, some place, some uh, some some thing, and. I wanted to explore all of the ways that monsters can be used, which are not, which are are more extensive than just horror. And again, I love horror, but um, as somebody who makes books that aren't only horror, I wanted to and and loves monsters in things that are not just horror books. Um, I wanted to explore all of the ways which which people love monsters and all the ways that I know my friends love monsters and who make books that are uh, that have big beautiful glorious monsters in them but might not be a horror book talking about something that is like marvel having monsters there's this one story in here about the superheroes uh, what is it terror thy name is pooh and there's this one panel where I don't know if it was done on purpose or uh, it looks like a tribute to the Fantastic Four. And uh, I really enjoyed that that story with uh, that monster there. Yeah, that was one that, uh, again, going back to the comedy part, but he did they did want to harken back to sort of a 70s uh, Fantastic Four team up style, but make it relevant to today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was one that was definitely not horror. Um, and another thing that we, that I, that I always hear all of the time is people miscategorizing horror. Mm -hmm. So they think that something with a monster makes it a horror story. And, um, they, people don't tend to understand that like the conceits that you use in horror are different than fantasy or different than sci-fi. There are different things and emotions you're trying to get out of horror. So hopefully by reading this book, you kind of better appreciate horror as well and fantasy and sci-fi because mm-hmm. I have a book, as I mentioned, called Katrina Hates Dead Shit. 
It's about a girl who gets sick of living during the apocalypse and sets out to hell to kill the devil. It's all the best monsters, like from Greek, Roman, Egyptian, and Judeo-Christian mythology. It's all of those monsters. Huh. But because they have monsters, and, and there's a girl, and, and Katrina is chopping off a zombie's head in the front, people go, <laughs> this is a horror book. And like, I, 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 I want people to better appreciate horror and better appreciate all of the other things and stop really lumping everything that has monsters into horror while uh something like walking dead has horror elements i would contend that even something like that is not necessarily horror in the way that um um like um i'm blanking on on like orphan is or like the ring is like those things are meant to horrify terrify and unsettle you but there are also monsters in the sixth sense uh ghost monsters sorry for the spoiler for everybody but, the, <laughs> but there are ghost monsters in there and that is not a horror movie it is a psychological thriller movie and again it goes after different different tonal things throughout the course of that story and the same thing when you go something like dracula versus frankenstein versus all of these kinds of things I want people to kind of understand that that just because something has monsters in it doesn't preclude it from uh, doesn't make it a horror story. That goes for a lot of things like movies, especially. Um, I mean, um, the book where the, where the wild things are. Um, right. I don't know if you've ever read it. Of course. Um, my or have you seen seen the movie to like a magical place where there are monsters, but the monsters aren't actually like evil, you know, monsters. They're you know helping him. And um, then there's Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, in that movie, um, the monsters in that movie are mostly well, sort of warnings, and the real monster in that movie is the like the army guy the the guy in charge there who you know does really monstrous things right exactly i mean take a movie even like sucker punch like there's plenty of monsters in that movie sucker punch i don't think any human being would ever say sucker punch was a horror movie no (laughs) no (laughs) Uh, so Again, I mean, this is sort of more esoteric uh, as far as like my motivations behind making this book. But at the end of the day, I wanted to make something that was a glorious love letter to monsters. That was a big, beautiful ode to all of the ways that I love monsters and that monsters are used in literature. And I wanted to make it uh, for monster lovers of all kinds. Like if you like Adventure Time, you'll find something in this. If If you like fantasy, you'll find something in this. If you like horror you'll find something in this but it's all different ways that monsters are utilized in a big beautiful hopefully coffee table book that like you got that people can treasure forever and hopefully on some level somebody that says oh monsters are just horror hopefully this is my big dream is that people can open a story and be like this is a monster book read this story and tell me that it's horror or they can say, I don't really appreciate horror, and they can open it up to a different piece and say, read this and tell me you still don't appreciate horror. I think what you, what, how you're saying is the way I feel when um, they tell me Stephen King is horror, nothing but horror. Like, uh, do you like a Stephen King book? Like, no, uh, I don't like horror books. 
like well not everything he writes is horror it's um you got you know you got the body which is ended up being stand by me you got the green mile they're not horror and people don't realize that he wrote these so i think the same way i get them to start enjoying stephen king is showing them those stories or the movies uh, same way here these stories can help him get that understanding or that appreciation for monsters for sure and i mean i i i love monsters in all of their forms so like i love writing about monsters i like reading about monsters i like psychological monsters i like humans being monsters i like all sorts of different kinds of 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 of, of appreciation for monsters in all of their forms and yes horror is a fantastic form to use monsters um but um, so is uh, Lord of the Rings. So is the Golden Compass. So is um, so is uh, well, Event Horizon is the one that came to my mind for sci-fi, <laughs> but it is that is that is certainly <laughs> horror. Like, that is certainly horror. Um, um, but uh, like uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, like whatever oh, it yeah. is, like there are many, 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 many wonderful ways to appreciate monsters, and it's okay if you don't love. Every way that monsters are are um, are are, um, are 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 portrayed, I don't love any 100% of the ways that anybody is portrayed. But you can take solace in the fact that you can you can embrace monsters as a whole and like and 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 love the general conceit that a monster can be anything. It can be your best friend, like in Harvey. Or your worst enemy, or your psychosis, like in Donnie Darko. It can be um, a fun monster, like Jake from Adventure Time, or it can be um, a scary monster, like the Urukai in Lord of the Rings. It can be anything, and it can be anything in between. So let's talk about the Kickstarter. Um, you said that that's already in, in place right now. When does that end? So it ends April sixth. Um, we are currently at, um, I'm looking at this right now, $14,537 out of a $16,000 goal. But our big goal, our real goal is 20000 Because um, if you go to Monster Anthology Comic, you'll better understand what I'm saying. Uh, but if you look at the cover, um, Aaron Alexovich, who draws Invader Zim, um, a lot of the Invader Zim comics, he worked on the television show, he did this cover which is full of like dozens of different kinds of monsters. And he did this sort of blue wash on it. And then he, uh, he made all of the eyes glow yellow. And uh, how we're going to make this cover is it's going to be hardcover and it's going to be a wraparound cover with no words on it. Um, and then it's going to be all of the little ye- uh, yellow eyes are going to have a UV spot. So they shine, but if we hit $20,000, all of those eyes are going to glow in the dark. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that is our real uh, – I, I, what I did was I was going to make the glow in the dark like the, the, the first stretch goal at like 25000 and originally do like the $20,000 goal. But I had a little bit of a heart attack thinking about raising $20,000. So I pulled back a little bit and just made the best stretch goal. I can't think of a better stretch goal for this particular book than glow in the dark eyes. So <laughs> I'm just going to make that if we hit 20,000, I will make the eyes glow in the dark. Um, so we're about we're only about fifteen hundred dollars from our initial goal of sixteen thousand. And we're hoping to get over that by uh, the end of Emerald City. 
But our real goal, the real cool goal, the one that gets everybody jazz, is the glow-in-the-dark eyes. And we'll de- go ahead and definitely put that link in the description here so you can get people over to uh, to donate for the Kickstarter. So, for uh, sure. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, for sorry. sure. <laughs> and also there's going to be 85 – we're going to use a, a glossy art paper to make every page kind of feel like an art print. Um, uh, it's also uh, glossy art is great because the, it sort of feels like the, um, the line art is shimmering instead of being, mm-hmm. uh, locked under a layer of, um, uh, of, uh, of gloss laminate. Other than that, we're also going to do, uh, ribbons and, and we're going to sew bind it in and we're going to have like, uh, end sheets and it's just going to feel, our goal is to make this feel like an experience and an ex and, 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 and we at wannabe press make experiential books. The kinds that you run back into a burning building because you love them so much. <laughs> uh, let me ask you about other – is there anything else that's going on on, on Kickstarter for, for Wannabe Press or is there anything that is going to be coming up? Uh, so um, during the Kickstarter campaign, you can also get um, – it's the only time you're going to be able to get um, uh, the, uh, the PDF and a download digital download of the cover – and you're going to be able to buy – you can buy Katrina Hates Dead Shit and Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter for a special price. Uh, but as far as other things that we're uh, that we're doing, this is really our entire focus right now. Um, coming up later this year, I have a my, – my fourth or fifth novel – it's the fifth novel I wrote. I think it's the fourth novel that's going to be released called The Vessel, which is like Under the Dome. It's another Ooh. Stephen King book. Uh, but set a, a million years in the future. So imagine wow. what would happen if that whole wow. – just extrapolate uh, under the dome a million years and you see like <laughs> very futuristic, like very political like um, world that's coming later this year. I also have my first nonfiction book called Sell Your Soul, How to Build Your Creative Career, which is going to basically be a guide about how to um, how to make better products, how to build an audience – how to uh, sell at conventions, uh, the basics of sales, and how to launch products, whether it's on Amazon, on Kickstarter, or anywhere else. And that's uh, all f- based on information that I've learned doing uh, running my company, but doing over 150 episodes of my podcast, The Business of Art. And where can people go to get not only the books that have already come out, but this one once the Kickstarter campaign's over? So um, the Kickstarter – once the Kickstarter is over, it will be on our website at wannabepress.com. I do highly recommend you go to Monster Anthology Comics, scroll down a little bit, and get a free 50-page preview. But if you go to wannabepress.com, you'll be able to join our mailing list, get some free comics, and um, and generally just see what we're about and see the quality of stuff that we make. Like we do not screw around with books. We take them very, 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 very seriously, um, which is why we have such a devoted fan base. Um, we don't make a lot of books. We don't make cheap books. We make the best books. And that is what we have always, uh, that is what we have sort of pivoted and made sure we doubled down on making the absolute best books with the absolute best paper quality printed in the absolute best way. So they feel like an experience And every single book that we make, we take very, very, very seriously. So head on over to want to be press and check out what we've done. Um, head on over to the business of art dot us and um and and uh check out our podcast which helps creatives become better uh run better businesses and create better businesses you can also get that on itunes stitcher 
Google Play and anywhere else podcasts are downloaded. We've done over 150 episodes, and right now we're doing an anthology special where we're bringing on anthology creators um, who've done successful anthologies, people like Dirk Manning, um, the people behind Monster Elementary, the people behind uh, Watson and Holmes, the people behind Pop Gun, uh, people behind Devastator uh, Quarterly, and, and many, many more to uh, talk about how to make an anthology and how to do it right and how to make sure that you succeed um, and don't make any of the mistakes that most anthology people uh, have have done. So we're also one of our big tenants is giving back to the community way more than we ever ask. So we have a weekly podcast. We go to a lot of shows. We do a lot of live panels. We do a lot of stuff to make sure that the people um, who <clears throat> the people who uh, want to make stuff like we make stuff can make stuff without can, can can follow our blueprint for success and not uh and not have any of the massive failures that we had during our um during when we were launching books that's, that's awesome yeah uh yeah like i said i was actually listening to um i think i got about 35 minutes into the to the latest podcast that you had up um and I, but i believe it was the second part so <laughs> so i need to find the first part on that one um yeah. And I, um, go ahead. You said you were um, also at uh, Emerald City. Yes, I'm going. We're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con uh, this next week at Table Z5. I have a panel at 6:15, um, um, which is uh, hopefully Pia Guerrera can get there, uh, can be there. But uh, who was the uh, who was the artist on um, Why the Last Man? Um, we, about pitching and, and how to build a portfolio for an editor. But we also have Margot Atwell from Kickstarter and Gut Punch Press, who's going to be on that panel. We have oh. um, we have um, uh, Tom Hutchinson, who is the uh, founder and publisher of uh, Big Dog Inc. Um, uh, Greg Smith, who uh, successfully pitched a series. He, Greg Smith, who who, who uh, had those two stories you talked about earlier, he pitched a st uh, story to Oni. Um, called Young Braves of the Apocalypse, oh, uh, which yeah. is very, very good. Yeah, uh, we've read that one. Yeah, that one's very good, too. And there's also going to be um, um, uh, Laura Newbert, who is a um, very uh, is a, who is a working um, and very good artist. And then I think it's me as the last person. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Um, uh, but there's going to be uh, we're going to have a panel on how to build a portfolio for an editor on Thursday. So if you get there early from two to seven um, uh, on Thursday, you can come and hang out at my table and then come and hang out at our panel, which I'm going to try and record and have up on the podcast sometime after the Kickstarter ends as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be there all weekend. Like I said, Artist Alley number Z5. One of the artists who's in the book, Walter Osley, will be at Z6 right next to me um, hanging out. And we also have a, um, a signing, me, Walter, and James Hake from um, from uh, Jamestown uh, Publishing and Solar Flare have a signing at Outsider Comics in, in uh, Seattle uh, on Wednesday night from 5.30 to 9, I believe is the exact hours. Somewhere around those times. I know it starts at 5.30. Not exactly sure if it ends at 8 or 9. Um, so I'm going to go in the middle there. But yeah, I'm going to be around Emerald City. I'm hanging out. Make sure to uh, stop by if you are there. 
and um, and I'm not bringing that many books. I'm only bringing like a hundred books, so there's a pretty good chance we're going to sell out on Friday. Um, but we'll have Ichabod, Katrina, and I will have sample copies of um, of uh, of uh, of monsters and other scary shit. It is not the full edition, but it is the paperback editions. You can actually hold in your hand and feel it. Sounds awesome. So um, I know you you talked a little bit about this about your podcast, but uh, we had a question from Jake. And he wanted to actually just say, uh, do you have any tips for people trying to get into the comics? Yeah, make comics. That's the only <laughs> the only way that I know how to get into comics is to make comics. I know it is a um, I know it sounds like a luff off answer. I know it sounds like, oh, well, of course, that sounds so you make it sound so easy. But honestly, start with making zines, find somebody to make a comic and get better and better and better and better. Uh, because publishers don't want your stuff unless it's done. Um, people don't want to buy your stuff unless it's in trade. So like you have to make uh, you have to treat yourself like a business and make a commitment, just like if you were to open a McDonald's. So if you were to open a McDonald's franchise, you would have to make a financial commitment to make that profitable and make that successful. So if you are a writer, you need to hire an artist or work with artists or understand you're going to have to spend money in order to break into comics. It is uh, it is very expensive to break into comics just because um, hiring an artist is very expensive. If you are an artist, then um, then uh, then you need to be uh, practicing sequentials. Sequentials are the comic book pages. Most people practice pinups a lot, but they do not do sequential pages. And you need to be very good at doing the boring, boring, boring pages that nobody likes doing, the two people sitting in a diner, the uh, the bantering back and forth and making it feel real and energetic. There is an art and a skill, um, not just to doing sequentials, but also to making every page feel like it's flowing and that it's exciting, even if, um, even if you... <clears throat> Sorry, even if you uh, you uh, you do comics or even if you are doing a very boring panel, you need to make every single panel count. You need to draw the eye and make it exciting and engaging. And like I said, that is a skill in and of itself. Most people that practice sequentials do fight scenes. I'm telling you, man, people that can do fight scenes really well are a dime a dozen. The people that really stand out are the people that can make the most boring, mundane panels stick uh, um, uh, stick in people's minds. Um, and you should be buying comics and, frankly, um, as best you can, trying to redraw panels that you see, trying to emulate what you're seeing from successful people that are in your style and trying to uh, – eventually you will you will learn a style. Eventually you will have your own voice. But until then, uh, uh, try and uh, emulate the voices of people that you love and admire in the field. That uh, your your answer it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite lines in uh, in Dreamcatcher. Uh, it's not really a line; it's more something that, that that the kids find on the wall. I don't know if you if you've read Dreamcatcher or not, but um, the kids find a a saying that says "no ball, uh, no bounce, no play." So like. What good is it to have a basketball if you're not you're never going to bounce it? You're never going to play. So, yeah, if you're getting into comics, 
write them, draw them, illustrate them, do what you need to do to make sure to, to improve and get out there. And that goes to any field, by the way. This is for music. This is from any art form. You need to do it to get better at it. And you are going to get your ass kicked. You're going to get your ass kicked so bad. It's not even going to be funny. No matter – look, you can listen to all 150 episodes of my show. You could uh, pay me for coaching. You could – you can buy my book and every and, and my new nonfiction book, and it will help curb off and cut years off of your tri- of, of your trials. But you will get your ass kicked every, like many, many, many times. And the mark of somebody who uh, is a successful professional and somebody that gives up is whether they can get up from getting their ass kicked and how and how quick it takes them to get up. And that is the same, not just with any creative profession, but with any profession you need. As if you want to be successful in especially the arts, because it is so nebulous of, of what of what people want. And you're not like providing a service about how to lose 20 pounds in 30 days. You're creating a, an experience that they feel in their soul. It's a much more nebulous, ephemeral, ephemeral feeling that you're bringing. So it is, on some respects, more difficult. But. And some other respects where you are talking about, well, nobody really gives a crap about the guy who lost, who, who helped them lose 20 pounds in 30 days. They probably just regained it. But they do have an affinity for people that like help improve and edify their soul. You're actually at an advantage. But you are going to get your ass kicked. And you should just – what you should work on is how to rebound from it quicker. Because there's nothing you most people are scared of getting punched in the face. Most people will never step in a boxing ring. But I promise you that Mike Tyson doesn't like getting punched in the face any more than you do. The only difference is he's learned how to live with it, deal with it, and he's willing to do that as a way to to meet and exceed his goals. Yeah. Uh all art is really just a lot of work. Um, I remember I I started as like a musician when I was a teen. And um, I always heard like guitar players say, play until your fingers bleed. And I didn't know how true that saying was until like I started playing bass, um, which just completely ripped my fingers open at one point. And, you know, my fingers bled just cause from all the practicing. And it is just practicing, 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 and then just ultimately you'll get good. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the – the thing is all of this advice that I give now, I remember hearing and being like, you son of a bitch. Like, could you – like, I know that advice. Like, you're just trying to blow me off. But the truth is – those pieces of advice that is the hard work are the ones where the truth is the play to yeah, the they're all too. <laughs> like those are the things that really really it's like i don't besides going out and making great stuff and then market and then working harder to go to as many shows as possible giving back and meeting as many creators like this not a hard it just takes time it takes time effort and energy to get there the first step is making something great then it's investing in shows and ads and websites and all sorts of stuff so you look professional 
And then it's meeting the right people over the course of years that builds a network for you. And those three pieces um, are not are boring. They're, they're fucking boring to talk about. Sorry, I, I can't say the, the F word on this, but there's a they're real boring to talk about. Like the boring fundamental BS business stuff is so boring to think about, to put in place and and to just do because there's no immediate reward. But those fundamental business practices are the thing that once put in place will allow you to be successful because all of the beautiful art in the world doesn't help if you're barely getting by every month. So these things about about finger ble- fingers bleeding and making great stuff and just doing it and doing it and banging your head against the wall. I mean, again, it sounds like the kind of advice that I would have rolled my eyes at five years ago. And like there must be a better secret when people would give it to me. But honestly, the best secret is do the hard work. Don't take shortcuts because nobody else wants to do the hard work. Nobody wants to do it. So if you just do it, you're going to be more you're more likely to be successful just because you're doing the hard work that nobody else wants to do. And that's the that's the work that needs to be done. So the people that already have done the hard work that are probably the most successful people in the field, when they see you doing the hard work too, they will have more respect for you because you're not trying to take the easy way out. That's good advice. Good advice. Uh, before we move on to, uh, I was I was gonna give you some some questions just about like in horror in general and all. But before we do that, is there anything that we want to talk about um, about monsters and other scary shit or anything else on, on Kickstarter or Wannabe Press? Uh, not really. I think we very well covered it. Just and uh, if you go to monsteranthologycomic.com, you'll see the book for forty bucks. You get a two hundred and twenty-four page love letter to monsters and beautiful hardcover delivered to your door in America with a PDF CBZ file of the uh, of the uh, of the of the book and a digital download of the cover. Um, it is the cheapest it will ever be. I promise you that right now. Um, because you guys are all taking a chance. Shipping is included in America. I promise you it will not be, uh, it, it, it will not be covered later. So, um, uh, buy it now if you love monsters, because it is, in my opinion, the best monster anthology that has ever existed in any form in the history of the world. And is this available only in a hard copy or in, in, in physical copy, or is it also available in by in digital comics? So you can, if you want to buy the digital only for fifteen dollars, you get the two hundred and twenty four page PDF and CBZ file. That's good. And for twenty five dollars, you get uh, that plus a digital download of the cover. That's pretty good because, uh, like, right now I live in an apartment. I don't have room to be storing a bunch of comic books, but I still like to read them, so I, I get the uh, digital. And I would love to be able to buy comics and comics and have them somewhere to store them. Unfortunately, right now with my space, I don't have the availability, so digital comics is the best for me. For sure, and we want to make sure that everybody who wants the book has a chance and a way to get the book. A lot of international backers just can't pay the additional 40, 60, or 80, 80 bucks for the book. So they end up uh, getting the digital 
um, copy. And that's fantastic. Like any way you can get in, any way you can support, any way you want to, to, to talk about, read about monsters, uh, there ain't no bad way, in my opinion. So like however you want to get it, I'm more than happy to, to, to have you involved in the project. So uh, let's talk about some horror movies or horror uh, TV. Uh, do you have anything you're watching right now or anything you've watched recently? So um, I am kind of a wuss when it comes to <laughs> horror. Um, I like uh, Halloween, which I watched a couple of months ago. Um, the original like Friday the 13th are good. New horror that's like as psychologically mind bendy as like um, the ring freak me out. I do, however, have a soft spot for things like Jacob's Ladder, Event Horizon and In the Mouth of Madness. And I know what you're saying. How can you like those? When you just said you're a big pussy and it's they're like probably the most <laughs> freaky ones, like Lost Highway or like some of the freakiest ones you can get. Oh, but I don't Lost know, like, Highway is the worst. <laughs> my mind works in like those two extremes. Either you have to like mind fuck the shit out of me or you have to like be like uh, uh, just a nice like slasher movie. And <laughs> no in between. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how about um, TV shows or anything like that? Like, um, I know I've only watched the first episode, but uh, Nick's watched the full series already of uh, Santa Clarita Diet. I don't know if you heard of it or if you watched it. No, I haven't. I did watch or the originally um, I did watch originally uh, American Horror Story uh, back in the day. I haven't watched any of the previous seasons. I don't watch that much television except for um, I, I just went through regular show and I'm going through Adventure Time. So, like... <laughs> That's about it. Currently on television, that's like horror as I get. There's um, Son of Zorn you might like, which is um, sort of this He-Man-ish character that sort of comes into our world, like the real world. And um, he comes from like this magical kingdom of Zephyria, where there's like giant monsters and he has like um, he wants to give his son a gift who is half Zephyrian. and he gives him like his giant flying bird with a lion's head and you know big ass monsters like that show up every now and then. Um, I just looked at the picture. I definitely want to watch this show. <laughs> yeah, it's on Fox, like... right? Um, I think it is. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's like a it's like a, a He-Man character in it's like He-Man. It's basically He-Man. Yeah. That's so – but, like, he's in, like, a regular, like, live-action family thing. That is – that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy who does the voice um, used to be in SNL. Um, can't remember his name now. Tim Meadows is also in it. Um, he plays the the son's stepfather who is, like, a therapist and a really sensitive guy who sort of plays very well off against – the complete opposite that is Zorn, who is like He-Man. He doesn't have really feelings, and he's sort of, you know, cruel and, and mean, and he doesn't really understand the world. And he wants to just, you know, kill and smash everything. <laughs> I think that that's, that's like Adult Swim with live-action stuff. It is, yeah. Right. It definitely is, yeah. One, one thing I am, uh, I am listening to the audiobook of Dracula, so, like, I do have some horror stuff that I listen to, but it's mostly, like, audio 
uh, audiobook form. Um, I also have uh, Frankenstein queued up. It's like I've been trying to get back to the, the originals. originals. I've been trying oh, to get back to the originals because um, one thing that uh, a lot of people talk about is to just like read the source material so you can see where all of the inspiration comes from. And I've been kind of bad about that. I read a lot of current stuff, but I don't read a lot of like original stuff. So I'm trying to force myself, whether I like it or not, to to go back to the original, to the source and kind of read that stuff. But man, Dracula is long. Like <laughs> God, that is a long book. Yeah. I did not realize how many how many hours of of I'm re I'm listening to it at double speed, and it still takes me twelve hours to get through that book. And it's uh it's Friends structured differently. Yeah, and the Dracula is structured a lot differently than what you're you're used to. It's more like journal entries and, and diaries, and isn't it? Yes, that is called epistolary. Yes, but blogs. <laughs> I have a someone told me that. Because I have a book called My Father Didn't Kill Himself, which is a mystery novel told all in blog posts. And someone picked it up and said, oh, this is a pistolary. And I was like, what, what is a pistolary? And they like, oh, it's like Frankenstein. It's told all in blog posts. And I was like, not Frankenstein, Dracula. It's told all in. I was like, oh, a pistolary. Cool. I learned a new word today. Word of the day. <laughs> yeah, Frankenstein's written more like a diary. At least I what I remember. I want to make sure a piss Polary. I want to make sure that I'm saying it right because I wonder like if Game of Thrones is what that's called then. Because everything is from a different person's viewpoint. I'm sure that's also know. called something, but it's not there's their stuff's not journal entries, but it's like I mean that that one is not not to get too far into the weeds here, but like that <laughs> is third person uh limited because each story only each person like the character only knows what's happening in in that story whereas like third person omniscient would be like the narrator or the person telling the story knows everything that's going on which it mm -hmm. doesn't seem like that is i don't know i get really i'm a real meat and potatoes kind of guy like i write good book i sell good book <laughs> I make another good book. I sell other good book. And like I and and in in that I market it to people and talk about good books. But like all of these like first person, third person, like these like very technical terms, I just I get like lost I, I try not to get lost in the weeds with them or like in the big like huge marketing sales funnels. I just try and like cut it back to the simplest form. But then I like the word epistolary, and so I, um, so I, I, I try and bring it out every time that I can. So um, with that, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, we're right about over the hour. Uh, anything else uh, you want to bring up? No, nah, man, that's it. I think we covered. I think we covered a whole big, wide range of stuff. <laughs> Just head on over to Monster Anthology Comic if you love monsters. Head on over to Wannabe Press if you love beautiful books, and head on over to TheBusinessOfArt.us if you uh, if you want help building your creative career. And I will go ahead and, Just, um... and put links up for that as well. Just, just quick, just some of your favorite monsters, you know, in book, in movies, in anything. All right, so my favorite monster 
currently is not in this book, but it's the Invisible Man. Um, I know I don't know if that 100% qualifies as a monster, but I love that he made one mistake and now he has to spend the rest of his life trying to be seen. And I think that is like so uh, endemic of the human condition. And I love monsters that speak to the human condition. So like Hulk is another great monster because like he deals with rage. Um, the more human, the more humanity you can in, imbue into a, um, into a, um, and into a, um, into a monster, the better, but just like for fun monsters sake, like, I think you, I think you'd have a hard time finding a better, more ridiculous monster than a jackalope. <laughs> What's I don't a know. Ja- jackalope? Yeah, it's like a, a it's, a, it's like a rabbit with antelope with 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 antelope ha- antlers. It's very yeah. weird. It's it, um I hear about that all the time here. I don't guess guess people here here in Texas they they believe uh, some people believe in that here at least. Uh, but the biggest uh, monster I or I would say cryptid that that I know uh, here in Texas that people believe in is the chupacabra, and um uh, and also the Mothman and the Jersey Devil. Um, even though I don't yeah. believe in those, I, I like hearing and uh, watching TV shows and and watching um, movies that are based on those monsters, even though I know they're not real. <laughs> at least I think they're not real. Yeah, but they just have this beautiful mythos around them. I was going to say that Chupacabra was one of them, too. Like, I love things that have just a beautiful, wonderful, like, mythos. And they and again, like the Jersey Devil and like Bigfoot and Chupacabra. These people like really care about the mo- about like that monster. Like so, you, like when you're watching, at least when I'm watching these things, like that care and passion and love comes through, and so it makes it even though it's usually silly, uh, it makes it so much easier for me to watch these silly things because like I know that they're doing it out of like love for the character, and there's not like. I feel like Godzilla is not really in that same vein because like a lot of people just use Godzilla to make money or like put Godzilla in a thing. Like, some people do do Godzilla. Like my, like my friend does the Why, uh, Why Do I Rock and he did the Fear comic and it's very like a Godzilla type monster and he's doing that out of love. But Godzilla has become like a merchandising icon so it's very easy to like corrupt Godzilla into like just use it for um, for for like the sake of money. But like the chupacabra, I feel like like that's only still around because of like this love that people have for this lore. And so a story like the chupacabra is um, is an amazing way to uh, is an amazing like look into how a monster can be basically continue to have life breathed into them from nothing but love alone. If, uh, since you like monsters, I don't know if you ever uh, see, heard of or read the comic book uh, Footprints by Joe Esposito. It's uh, it has the Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot, uh, the Yeti, Chupacabra, the Jersey Devil, and Mothman. Uh, and pretty much what they are, they're they're incorporated into our world. They came out from hiding, and the world's gotten used to them for over the for over I believe the last 30 years. So now they're doing mundane um, jobs, and, and, foot, and they actually used to have a uh, detective agency. 
and one of them goes goes missing and they go out and they they band back together and they go looking for their lost comrade it's really great uh it's i believe four or five parts um i would recommend that one um, i'd actually did a, a review on that on that comic Awesome. I think I read one of the issues, but I haven't read all of them. So now I'm going to go back and enjoy reading all of them at once. <laughs> and there, he actually did a, uh, what's it called? A, um, I wouldn't say a sequel. What is it called? Like a one-off? Um, yeah, one series. shot. Yeah, but it was a, like two or three stories in it. It's called Bad Luck, Bad Luck Charm. Um, I had a, a, he actually sent it to me so I can, so I can read it because I, I, he loved, um, I love the, the story so much, and I reached out to him, and it's really great. Um, I would recommend that one as well to, to anybody who, who enjoys the monsters as well. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll leave it there, Like, uh, and I um, want to thank you very much for joining us here, Russell, and thank you for letting us know um, all about the monsters and other scary shit, and I uh, want to be pressed. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, well, thanks for coming if you have any other stuff coming out in the future, let us know, and we'll be more than happy to uh, get back with you. I will, guys. Thank you again for uh, for having me on. It was great. Thank you very much, guys. See you guys next time. See you.